is Hard Parking, brought to you by Wright Honda and Wright Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Jay Finning. Coming up on today's show, I recently went to Puerto Rico for 10 days. Those of you paying attention to me on social media saw that. But before we get to that, before we get to this word from Four Wheel Online, just want to speak my mind about some things. That's something that I do on this show every once in a while. I talk about stuff that's happening on in the that's happening in the real world. And I'm a little disappointed. I'm disappointed with some of you, and I'm mostly disappointed with just the world and the state of our insensitivities or the state of our sensitivities or lack thereof when it comes to disasters. There's something that happened, and there's something that's kind of disgusting me right now, and it's it's always tricky because there's no win, right? It's a lose-lose when you decide that you're unhappy with society. You're unhappy with social media. You're unhappy for with people being people in a world where a lot of the times when I do these type of conversations, we're or these these speeches, we're examining something like the the Houston shooting, self defense or not self defense. You know, we're looking at the Brittany Griner release. You know, what was that really all about? The first part of that I said my case. The second part of that I recanted everything I said in the first part or most of it. But it's always hard when we speak out on what we see happening on social media. And I use social media just as much as anyone, obviously. And so I'm prepared for the negative comments. I'm prepared for all the nasty that comes along with this. But when I was in Puerto Rico, that's when we had this thing with the Titan submersible. With the five people that went down, I mean... Everybody knows about it, but I'm going to give you a recap anyway, historically speaking. And we lost sight of it. And within a day or two of this story popping up, we already had memes out there. We had all these funny GIFs, memes, all this stuff talking about the submarine. You know, James Cameron, famous director, came out and said it's a bad idea. He wouldn't have signed off on it. Uh, It was a poor design. Then... We found out what we all feared is that this thing was gone. It imploded. Everybody inside died. But there's still all this stuff on social media making fun of this situation. And I'm not trying to be higher than mighty, but I think it's a really sad case. It's a sad example of where we're at in society, where we're at in this culture, where, how desensitized we are at all this stuff that goes on to where there's not even a time to bereave. There's, there's none of that. It's just immediately this happened. Ha ha. Let's make jokes. Let's make, let's see how many memes we can make out of this thing. Let's see how much fun we can make out of this. And I had said something on hard parking violations, which is the, uh, the Facebook group for the podcast and got into it with a few friends. And a lot of my friends are doing this stuff too. And I'm not going to call them out personally for doing it. This is, this is where we are. This is where we are in society. But the thing with the police officer last year who slept with like five police, destroyed, social media, smeared, cyberbullying. I wouldn't be surprised if she killed herself. She didn't, as far as we know. But that's the type of stuff where people just take and run with it. There's like, there's no chill. And it made me wonder, you know, it's, are we, we're so desensitized now at all this stuff between all the school shootings and, and, you know, all the other things that happened, we're just so desensitized. Where I don't want to say we've lost our humanity, but we've definitely lost our empathy and our sympathy. And I, I'm not really blaming social media for this because people are people whether social media exists or not. And I don't have TikTok, but I had a friend say, you should see all this stuff on TikTok. It's like, I don't have to see this stuff on TikTok because I see it on Instagram. I see it on Facebook. And 
think about this. In 1986, I pulled it up just to be factual here. Most of you weren't around then. I mean, let's just call it like it is. Most of you were, you weren't even born or you were super young. I mean, I was in grade school in 1986. The Space Shuttle Challenger broke apart 73 seconds into flight. All members of the crew, obviously dead, all seven. And the world grieved. The United States was brought to its knees. And we still talk about that. Not as much now as we used to, but for years, every year on January 28th, we talked about the disaster that was the Space Shuttle Challenger. If that were to happen today in 2023, are we bereaving? And this isn't everybody. Some people are, they, they get it. It's too soon. There's that whole thing, you know, too soon. But I don't think that we bereave. If we shoot up a, a space shuttle right now and it blows up and people die, ha-ha, rich people dead, astronauts dead, and it's, I don't know what we're doing anymore. And again, I don't call out my friends who do this. I've said something to one or two of them. It's like, look, man, this is, I don't, I don't look at this stuff. It's not cool. That one was funny. I saw one that was funny. But I don't spread it. I don't send it. I don't, you know, I just, I don't understand what's going on. But I could promise you that if that were to happen today with the space shuttle, it'd be the same deal as a submersible this Titan submersible poor design thing. And I'm not here to talk about the differences and who, who we choose and choose not to bereave. Sure. There was a migrant boat full of hundreds of people with six or 700 people that, that sank. I think at the, as of like June 30th, they've recovered maybe a hundred people. They've, they've alive. They've pulled up even more dead and there's still hundreds missing. So it isn't an outcry thing. Thousands of migrants die Every year, literally, look it up. I did look that up. And it's not that we don't care, just no one ever talks about it. But as soon as this high-profile thing goes down and we spend all this money on the news trying to find this stuff for science, it goes down and everyone makes fun of it. It's just, it's just weird because at the end of the day, people died. Whether people died you know, trying to find salvation and, and, and a new life on a migrant boat or people spent millions of dollars to build this submersible Titan thing. They go down to the Titanic and it implodes and they die. It's, it's a sad day. It's a sad part of society when we just, we make fun of that stuff. And I know I've been saying the same thing over and over and over. Is it fair to just immediately jump to the comedy that is social media and making fun of this stuff? Or is it foul? Jay Finning here. And I want to tell you guys about Foil Online. For over a decade, Foil Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Your truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at fourwheelonline or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's four wheel online, the number four wheel online. So without wasting any more of your time, let's talk about Puerto Rico. We were there for 10 days. The reason we went, it's my mother-in-law's birthday. It's her 70th birthday. And we actually planned to go to Puerto Rico in early 2020. Tons of earthquakes and things happened in 2020. And then eventually 2020 pandemic era ramped up and nobody was really going anywhere. We kept trying to redo it. Eventually, we just got a credit for our tickets because when you cancel your tickets on the airlines, you get like 
You get like a year credit, and that's pretty much it. But we were finally able to go, and it was, you know, it was a great time. Her birthday officially is in a few weeks, but June just worked better for everyone. So who went? Pretty much anyone and everyone within the family you've ever heard me mention. Maybe 25 people came down from the mainland between Arizona, Michigan, Buffalo, and the greater Buffalo area, and Florida. Because I know Puerto Rico is an American territory, so people say, it's American, and you get, it's kind of the nuanced conversation. USPS is down there. A few other things, American dollars recognized, but make no mistake, it's, it's barely because the Dominican is right there. And I would say that there's probably a lot more similarities from Puerto Rico to the Dominican Republic than there are to the closest part of the United States, which is Florida. And we're going to go over all that. But the way I broke this down is I started thinking maybe I'll just break it down, you know, by section instead of 100% chronologically. So what I mean by that is I got some travel notes for you. The good, the bad, the ugly, the vacation homes, the, the beaches, the food. The food is very important. My rental cars, the rental car situation there is, is quite sketch. Let's jump into it. Travel notes. First off, I like to fancy myself as somewhat a professional of a professional traveler. Like I know how to pack. Hindsight 2020, I still probably brought too much. Like I bought one of those scales to weigh your bag. It's like a little loop thing. You hook it around, you pick it up, yeah, you lift your bag up, and it tells you within probably a half pound how much you're luggage ways, which is a great tool. Saves you from going to the airport, putting on the thing, getting the person uh, behind the desk that says, oop, you're a pound and a half over. And then you have to crack open your suitcase and sit there and gut it with all these other people in line. Sometimes they let you through. Rare is that. So we know before we leave the house, kind of what we're sitting. And I always come in around, I would have been about 40 pounds, 41, but then my wife packs too much shit. I don't know if it's a woman thing. Because my mother-in-law packed too much shit. My wife's in there yelling at hers, like, you don't need this, you don't need that. She brings, she wants to bring the full bottle of, of hair product instead of putting it in the smaller container. And by the way, we're going to Puerto Rico. They have Walgreens, Walmart, they have Costco, they have Sam's, they have everything you have here pretty much. So I keep that in mind when I'm traveling. It's like, okay, well, if I run out of toothpaste, I'll go to the store and buy some more. If I run out of body wash, I'll go to the store and buy some more. I don't need to bring the giant thing of body wash because it weighs my suitcase down. So I ended up with, we brought my uncle, so my mother-in-law's brother. We, we bought a bunch of clothes for him, probably for a late birthday present or just because he needed them. So I had eight or nine pounds of his clothes. And then I had probably 10 pounds of my wife's between her, all her bathing suits and her makeup bag that actually opens up into three completely different sec sections. It probably weighs about seven pounds. Porqueria. You'll hear that word a lot. Porqueria. That's junk. That's become my favorite word. Porqueria. Your porqueria. My bag would have weighed 41 pounds except for I have nine pounds of your porqueria. So we called the Uber XL because our flight is like 6 a.m. in the morning, maybe. Called Uber. Said, okay, we got to leave here at 4.30. No later than 4.30. So it's myself my wife, my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law, and his wife. They ride over here. They're almost late, but they get here in time. So the Uber XL is advertised. It's a Toyota Highlander. Five people, they say. So there were five of us, but everyone had a full-size suitcase. We all had a backpack and at least one or two other little carry-ons between all five of us. It took us 10 minutes to kind of Tetris configure our situation. 
And then my sister-in-law was smashed in the back of the third row because we had to put one of them down. My wife sat on my lap, sort of like on my lap, but on the edge of the chair. We got there, got there. We connected in Atlanta. The connection flight ended up being delayed. But we get on the plane, and then it has problems, of course. But it was an old plane. Delta, what are you doing? And for those of you who may have seen this on social media, I posted it. Buttons missing on the little TVs on the back. Um, I don't remember if it had the old cigarette lighter style, like the like the 12-volt hole where you have to bring the, the cigarette lighter connector. It was a janky plane. So we sat there for a while, and then we had to get off. And first off, before we got on the plane, my brother-in-law was kind of in one of these moods. He gets like that sometimes. He gets agitated. So he goes up and asks the guy, and the guy's like, hey, the flight to Puerto Rico is going to be a little bit delayed. You know, stay around here. He said something that was kind of confusing, but you could kind of look around and, and understand what he meant. So my brother-in-law walks up and asks him a question. And then as my brother-in-law is walking away, the guy gets on the microphone. He's like, again, as I said, and he reiterated what he had said to people. So there's two ways you can take that. Number one, it was a little abrasive and it's only rude if you think he's talking to you. So the guy was, in my opinion, thinking, all right, I think the guy was military, former military. If this guy had this question, somebody else may have had this question. Everyone's going to have this question. So let me reiterate what I had said. My brother-in-law took that personal. So from that point, he kind of, every time the guy got on the microphone, my brother-in-law looked over there. He's like, you see that? You see that? I don't understand why you'd be so rude. I'm like, yeah, it was kind of rude. But I'm thinking, dude, just fucking let it go. But my brother-in-law was on like level nine the whole day, which didn't help. So when we get on the plane, we have to get off the plane to switch planes. And it's the same guy we're standing up there. So now nobody wants to ask the agents any questions. And I kept trying to tell him, I was like, hey, go up there and ask him how much longer it is. You know, knowing that he's probably going to be a dick about it. But no, everyone's smart. They're like, no, hell no, I'm not going up there. You go up there. If my brother-in-law would have went up there, he would end up fighting a guy. And then he would have gotten arrested because I would have been like, yo, I don't know him. I'm not traveling with him. Trying to get to Puerto Rico. But the thing is, we get off the plane, and my mother-in-law, we always get her a wheelchair. She has oxygen issues. She could walk, especially now. You know, 10 years ago, it was a little rough. Sometimes her health isn't very good. But we always take advantage of the fact that she gets a wheelchair because then my wife can earlier she could take Zeke because Zeke was with us like I said everybody anyone you've ever heard me mention at in the family is going on this trip so we had this like decent sized group from our contingency so we get off the plane and my mother-in-law thought she left her phone on the plane now you have to go back up there and say excuse me uh, we think we left our phone on the plane and the guy is the same guy so he's a little militant a little abrasive but not too much like, I can work with that. I'm really good at pivoting and working with different personalities. Not everybody can do that. So we're like, where were you? We're like, well, my wife picked the shit seats too, by the way. Uh, 34E. So it could be somewhere on that row, 34E, D, E, or F. They go and check. All the people come off, all the cleaners. are like, look, that thing's not there. We checked everywhere. We don't know where it is. Obviously, once you leave the plane, you can't get back on, regardless of what you left. So we walk back to my mother-in-law to deliver her the news. I'm just going to call her mom for the rest of this. And the phone was in her lap between her legs the whole time. That's what we're dealing with here. Get on the plane. Watch a couple movies. More on that in a second. 
the San Juan Airport terminal, when we finally got there, so it was a, about a four-hour flight from here to Atlanta, then almost another four-hour flight from Atlanta to San Juan. Very long day, especially when you got up at 4.30 in the morning. Got to San Juan, and the airport had a, the terminal had an interesting smell to it. It smelled like my mom's, remember my mother-in-law, smelled like my mom's old house on 17 East 16th Street in Holland, Michigan, which is kind of weird, right? It's a weird observation to make. But my brain is like, oh, we're in Puerto Rico. This is a Puerto Rican thing. Maybe the smells of all the cooking and the different foods have infused the airport, and that's why it reminded me of her old house. So we're in Puerto Rico. So let's get to the movies. In between traveling there and traveling back, there are four movies I'd like to talk about really quick. So I tried to watch Ant-Man, Quantumanium, and I've seen that. And you guys know I'm a huge fan of the MCU. But I just couldn't watch it again. And it's weird that it's not a rewatchable for me. I The second one I've watched a few times, I've watched the first Ant-Man probably 15 times. But I, I think that's the true measure of it, right? You go and see it in the movies like I do every time an MCU movie comes out. And it wasn't bad. But trying to watch it again, I just couldn't get into it the second time. I could have been tired. So then I tried to watch 2001 Space Odyssey because it's like a two and a half hour movie. I wanted to burn some time. That's a very slow movie. And the fact that it's, it's a two and a half hour long movie in an era where most movies were 90 minutes or less. But I kept falling asleep in the first 10 minutes. I had to switch movies. So what I ended up watching was 65 with Adam Driver. I thought 65 was interesting. That's one where they show in the previews where he crash lands and the only survivor that he has with him is a little girl, and they land on a planet that's inhabited by dinosaurs. Now, when you read the summary of the movie, it says Adam Driver, I forgot whatever his name is in the movie, crash lands on this planet and realizes he actually landed on Earth 65 million years ago. I don't think he ever actually had that specific realization. I couldn't really tell because I was using the the earbuds that the airlines provides, and they were shit. Like, those are shit. They're so shit. I ended up buying a pair of earbuds on the way back from San Juan. Much better sounding. But I don't think you ever realized that in the movie. It's not a – it's an interesting movie. One part about that movie that I appreciated, he has this gun that never seems to run out of energy. It must be like – or bullets. It's an energy gun. So it runs out of energy at some point, I'm sure. Didn't happen to him in the movie. But when he shoots these dinosaurs, they actually die. Like, how many movies have we seen when you have this beast and they can take all the bullets? I'm like, that's not realistic. Not that the beast is realistic. But that bullet, if you put that bullet in that animal's head, it should kill it. So this guy took out a lot of dinosaurs. That's all I'm trying to say. Including the big ones. Well, a couple well-placed shots, the big ones are falling. On the way back, I tried to watch a movie called Assassin Club, and it froze on me. From San Juan to Detroit, which was our return trip, I watched half of Assassin's Club. And from Detroit to Phoenix, I watched the other half of Assassin's Club. Features a Snake Eyes guy, and I forgot the girl who's in it. I, I would know her really quick because she's kind of like the, the up-and-coming Spanish ethnic Colombian-looking girl that doesn't really describe anything, but she's pretty hot. You have to look it up, Assassin's Club. And then I watched Stand By Me. And Stand By Me is an American classic movie. And I'd only seen bits and pieces of it. 
kind of like the Lost Boys. It's one of those movies that it was, it punched above my maturity level at the time where it came out. And I decided that I'm going to watch the movies that were supposedly great when I was too young to appreciate what it is I was watching. And it's a really good movie. This movie came out a few years ago. I want to say it's called The Boys, where it's like three or four friends and they're all school-age kids. And it's pretty, it's kind of a vulgar movie, I would say. It's, it's verbally vulgar, but it's, it's how kids are. I mean, find me a middle school boy who's not driving a, drawing a penis on a piece of paper and, and drawing someone's head on it and saying, this is you, this is your mom, you know. So it's kind of real like that. Stand By Me is kind of an older version of that. It's kind of vulgar as well, especially for the time. Really good movie, though. And it features River Phoenix, which is which is Joaquin Phoenix's older brother. And River Phoenix, of course, he died from a drug overdose decades ago. But he was really good in that movie. I was like, God, that kid looks so familiar. Who is that kid? And I looked it up. And I was like, oh, that's River Phoenix. Because I was relatively young when that happened, and media just wasn't what it was now. So I remember River Phoenix dying. I think he died outside of a club from a drug overdose. But that's all I remember. So stand by me really good. Let's get back to Puerto Rico. Where did we go when we were in Puerto Rico? We went to San Juan, Aguada, Aguadilla, Juanica, Luquillo, Fajardo, Ciba, and Culebra. I'm going to take you through those. So we arrived because of the delays. 1.30 in the morning. Now, I had a rental car, a minivan selected to be picked up at 11 p.m. So when I got there at 1.30, they didn't have a minivan, but they offered up a Ford Transit, which is those little transit vans, almost like the kind of the Amazon vans before Amazon got the big deal with Rivian, and now they're all a bunch of Rivian vans. Not big for us, though, because we had a lot of people. Again, it's myself, my wife, my mother-in-law, which I said I'd refer to as my mother, my son, my brother-in-law, and his wife, because what they were going to do the next day is they were going to arrive with my sister-in-law who was flying in from Texas. I forgot to mention Texas earlier. But not that night. They had a lot of Wranglers and Transits and a lot of weird miscellaneous cars, but they didn't have any minivans. So, And everything they had wasn't going to be you know, big enough. But they did the right thing. This was national. The customer service, like a motherfucker, they said, let me check, and they scoured the entire facility, all the rental car facilities, and they found me a minivan. They brought us a Kia Carnival, which visually looked really good. But I'll tell you how good it was in a little bit. But we sat there for an hour. Once we picked up the car, just burning gas. In fact, the notification popped up on the dashboard. The car is just sitting here. It's going to turn off in 30 minutes. It's almost like if you watch TV too long and you get that little pop-up. Are you still watching this? This was because Jaylene's rental. Now, I don't know. Like she said, she rented it. And when she showed up, they canceled it. This was through Hertz. And I I don't know. I don't know what really happened. But it, we literally sat there for an hour waiting for Jaylene and Mario to get their shit together so that we could get to the hotel. Yvette's gone. She goes to help them. Then Wilson leaves, which is my brother-in-law. He goes to help them. So it's just the rest of us sitting there. I think, and I could be wrong, this is what I think happened. I think either they canceled her rental or she never fully confirmed her rental. And my wife, she probably is like, hey, I'll rent you a car. So then she probably got on her app and ended up renting him a car. If I would have known what really happened, then I probably could have just got on the app and rented a car myself. 
and rented them a proper car. And I say proper car because they rented a Toyota Corolla. Now, my daughter, full-size suitcase. Her boyfriend, full-size suitcase. They had a stroller that they checked in. They had a baby seat that they checked in. They had a booster seat. They had a small carry-on roller bag. They had another, well, so one Zeke's. They had another small roll-on carry for probably all the Nova's diapers, which, again, we're going to Puerto Rico, Costco, Walmart, anything and everything you'd ever need is there. Then they had this giant, like, Baja off-road thing that folds up, like the pull-behind wagon, but it's the wagon that's also a baby stroller. There was no room for all the stuff in their car. And that's why we sat there for an hour. And so we ended up having to put, somehow they got all this shit in their car, and we end up getting to the hotel at 3.45 a.m. So now we've been up mentally almost 24 hours. Granted, there's a three-hour time difference from where I'm at. So they're Eastern time. We're right now in July, technically Pacific time, although we're also mountain time, but technically it's Pacific time. It's a three-hour you know, three time difference. One thing I noticed with our rental car the next morning when we were going to go to Costco, so the plan was to get up, go to Costco early. Yeah, right. You, no one's going to Costco early when you don't get to the hotel till 4 o'clock. My sister-in-law is going to show up, and half the people go with her. We stop at a few nice locations on the way to the other side of the island, which is ultimately where we were headed, two and a half hours away. Had to get there at a certain time so that we could meet the landlord of the Airbnb, and they can walk us into the address because the address doesn't show up on the map. Let's talk about my Kia Carnival. It was older, higher mileage, and my CarPlay kept going out at the most inconvenient time. So I'm in a, I'm in a place that I'm unfamiliar with, relying on navigation, CarPlay, so I don't have to sit there and hold it, and it keeps going out. So I have to force my wife to help me because she's not, and I don't know if she's going to listen to this or not, but she is probably the worst co-pilot on the planet. I could be having issues, and it's not like, okay, honey, I'll look it up. I'll look for a place to eat. I'll look for the hotel and I'll guide you. I know sitting there scrolling through her phone, TikTok, texting someone, doing something just completely oblivious that, hey, I could use your help here. But this Kia had a little bit of body damage too. What we found out the next day when we we're trying to pack up everything is the door wouldn't close. So one, the passenger side door, like automatic, electronic, whatever door kept partially closing and then opening up. So we played with it probably 10 minutes. And we finally got closed. We all go to Costco, three cars. So my sister-in-law, she had a Honda, like a CRV. Nice, actually. Very nice. Probably the nicest car of all the rentals. Not the nicest car in Puerto Rico. The nicest car of all the rentals, which is interesting because on the mainland, Honda doesn't do fleet rentals. Puerto Rico and Hawaii are two places that I've been to, either American or American territory, that do have some Hondas. So that's interesting note. Same thing with Acura. So after Costco, we decide that, okay, we, I, I go, you know what? I'm not going to drive three hours to the other side of the island with this rental car. So we had to make the executive decision to take it back to National and trade it out for a different one, which is at least an hour out of the, our way. So then Jaylene and Mario and them, they, they go to the other side of the island. We have Zeke. He's on vacation with them, all of us, but we had Zeke 90% of the vacation. And so it's just at this point, People go all their own ways. You know, my sister-in-law takes my son and my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, and they go, and they get to explore and do some cool shit. So it's myself, my wife, my mother-in-law, 
and Zeke. So we go to National. It took a while to swap out the car, a lot longer than I thought it would. But we were eventually able to swap out the car and get on the road. Had to get Zeke some food. He was hungry. So I stood in line at Burger King for 30 minutes to get him some chicken, like chicken fingers. Let me tell you about Burger King. You may have seen this on my social media. They have one in San Juan that is Spider-Man based. It is Miles Morales, Spider-Verse based. So the color of this Burger King is kind of a a purplish blue. The drive-thru looks like, I mean, it still looks like a drive-thru, but it's got kind of this corridor you drive through. It looks like spider legs. The Burger King sign is inverted in an angle, and it's got like these little webs that are kind of holding it on. And there's a giant spider symbol from, is it Spider-Man 2199 or 2099? Whatever the one is, I don't know if you guys have seen the recent Spider, you know, Miles Morales one, but it's the Spider-Man that looks super cool. He almost looks like Spawn, super futuristic. He's actually the antagonist of sorts in this latest Spider-Man movie, but it's got kind of his symbol on one side. It's super cool. So I took a bunch of photos of that, and we didn't go. we ended up going to eat at this one place that Jaylene recommended, and then we headed to San Juan. We got to the vacation home in Aguada at about 8 p.m., and I noticed the red lights everywhere. So I looked it up. I go, there's a lot of red lights, and they're kind of creepy, like red street lights. So if you guys remember when I went to Hawaii, they had kind of these lime-colored lights, and it was for the same thing. The red doesn't trick like the, like the sea turtles because I guess they're drawn to the light. I was expecting to see a sea turtle crossing the street. never happened, but the address was weird. More on that later when I start talking about some of the observations of the island. But the place we stayed in was a lovely gated home, pool, beachfront property. Uh, you may have seen on my Instagram stories. We got in the water the next day. It's the warmest water I could ever remember getting into of all my travels, with the exception of my own pool in the middle of the summer where it's not even comfortable. It's just too warm. The next night, family started arriving. We actually, some of our cousins were less than a mile down the road, which was super cool from Florida. They stopped by. Uh, we had other families stop by. My uncle stopped by. He has a home in the area that he flew down to maintain, which is she's, he's close to my, my mother-in-law. I guess I'm just going to call her mother-in-law. I'm confusing myself here. The following night, the cousins from Michigan came in. Like That next day, we went to a crash boat beach, which is a beautiful beach. Water was clear. First time I had seen water that clear in a long time. You know, the water's at your waist and you can see your feet. That's pretty clear. Did an excursion, did the jet skis, got back to the beach. We're going to stay there for a little bit longer because we had other cousins that were coming down to meet us there, which they did. But weird phenomenon there, the bees. They are attracted to fruit. They are attracted to trash. So when we get back to our our beach spot, because some people went on the excursion, some people didn't sign up, so they stayed stayed there in the little place on the beach. We got back, there were bees everywhere. Like, I'm talking... 20 or 30 bees swarming the trash cans, swarming, trying to get into the stroller. You know, my daughter was late as hell showing up probably two hours after everybody else was at the beach. It's, you know, that in itself was a whole other issue. So we decided to leave and, and go back. And then our other cousins met us for Michigan that night. They ended up staying with us the rest of the time we were in Aguada because let's talk about their rental car. They went out to eat. Well, we went out to eat. Well, some of them showed up with us, but some the, the, the large majority of them, uh, they went out to eat on their own. And first, when they tried to pick up a car, apparently the rental facility that they used tried to give them a car with a taped-on bumper. Another car was just full of cigarette smells. My brother-in-law, my wife's other brother, 
they gave him a car that ended up having a flat tire. But the biggest thing is, Joselito is what I'll call him because he goes by Elvin or Joselito Elvin. So Elvin's group, the car that they tried to get him on the taped on bumper and had a cigarette smell before they finally got a, a vehicle, they took the vehicle to dinner. When they got back from dinner, they found out that their vehicle had roaches in it. Like it was roach infested. They say, and I quote, the backpack had like nine or 10 roaches on it. They were freaking out. So then they went to the Airbnb and they didn't like the way the Airbnb looked. So they told the owner that they had a roach problem there too, which they didn't. It's a little sketch. I don't know if I would have played that card. I didn't, I didn't know that for like a couple of days later. They go, oh, yeah, we told them that they had roaches. They really didn't. We just didn't like the place. They're going to give us some money back, and they're going to send the people out to fumigate the house. I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. But they ended up staying with us the rest of the time we were in Aguada. Had a great time there. A um, little bit about that Airbnb. Each room had its own mini split, which is the little the air conditioners that you can mount up on the wall. The really nice ones, not the ones you stick out of your window. The main part of the house didn't. So, I mean, it had these big open windows that when it was windy, you could open it up and it felt great. But when there was no wind, it was just stale and hot. But sometimes while we were there, it was so hot, I would just disappear into the bedroom just to cool down, to be completely honest. But a food situation. Food situation observations is a separate from going out to eat. It seems it's, I found that early on on vacations, because none of us had really seen each other in a long time. Early on in vacations... Everybody shows up. We're drinking beer. Speaking of beer, Madaya is like their, their official beer. I did the research. Okay, what are the best beers? Da, 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 da. Madaya, Madaya Ultra, Madaya Light. That's what we drank. Like 90% of the beers we had were Madayas. And there were other beers. We had, you know, Heineken and Corona and, and Coors Light. My cousin bought some Coors Light. Elvin did. But when you first show up, like we went, Yvette and I, the next morning we got there, we went to Walmart. And we essentially went grocery shopping. And... What happens is you buy all this food to last you for the next couple of days. You guys know where I'm going with this. But as family starts to arrive, we haven't seen each other, they come hang out at our place because our place is great. I mean, it's really nice. Everyone's in the pool, playing uh, ping pong, drinking beers. Time to eat, people. We, go, we blow through our food. Every time it's time to eat, people show up. And then what are you going to do? Just and, you know, secretly give people a secret whistle to let them know their dinner's ready? So family is family, so you run out of food kind of in one sitting that's supposed to last a couple of days. So this is the main reason why we're there. My mom's, my mother-in-law's 70th birthday. She's from the island. She grew up there. She hasn't been back in over 25 years. She lived up in the mountain, and then she lived in a little town called Wanaka, G-U-A-N-I-C-A, but it's pronounced Wanaka. Wanaka is like an hour and a half drive from the place that we were staying in Aguada, which means I can't drink that much because I have a whole car full of people. So pack full of people, we go to Sam's, we pack it up with stuff that we have to buy for this party in this place that we rented out. We bought all the beers, water, some giant sports-style coolers with a little spout at the bottom. We bought all sorts of stuff. We had to go there, kind of pre-set up. We had cousins that live there. They live in Wanaka as well, or that area. They did a lot of the work for us as far as scoping the place out, renting the place. They, were, they came in clutch. We couldn't have done it without them. So we're in this little party in Wanaka, and everyone's having a good time. And I'm looking for something. I want some of this street food. I want to find, like, my favorite thing that my mother-in-law makes is bacalaitos, which are like these little 
salted cod fritters. They kind of look like, so imagine, and this is, this is, this is probably why I like, <laughs> I probably like them because I like Long John Silver's. It's almost like Long John Silver style batter, but there's just tiny pieces of fish kind of spread across this. Otherwise just, you're just otherwise eating like this fried dough chip thingy, bacalaitos, and I love them. So I'm driving to get some supplies. I need to buy foil and saran wrap and a bunch of stuff that they just this place just didn't provide. Which, by the way, the guy that we'd hired and paid a lot of money for the food for this event, he shows up and he doesn't have shit with him. He doesn't have an extension cord. Doesn't have a doesn't have any servingware. Shows up with these full vegetables with no way to cut them. So then my aunt and my wife. And other family, they're back there cutting the lettuce and cutting the tomatoes. I'm like, how much money did we pay this guy just to show up, drop this shit off, and leave? And we got to basically all serve ourselves, which is basically what ended up happening. Needless to say, I had to jump in the car a few times and run to the store. Took my cousin with me the first time. Jeremy's his name. Second time, I was like, I'm going to call my own. It's just down, the, down around the corner. Now, Puerto Rico, Juanica, they warn you when you rent your cars Ours didn't tell us, but others have. Don't stop at the red light. Keep going. And they have this thing there where the violence, there's so much thuggery, you can get carjacked really easily if you stop at a red light. You know, especially when you're out in the middle of nowhere. So I'm, I'm keeping that in my head and going through this small town of Wanaka. And I kind of, you know, it's, it's like Boys in the Hood or it's like any other great ghetto movie from the 90s where I decide to go on my own. You hear gunshots. I'm bleeding out. They take my car. I'm dead. You know, so all that stupid shit's going in your head. Go to the store, you know, and you try to speak a little bit of Spanish, um, but they speak English, which is great. So I bought this shit. But I noticed outside of this place that we rented, there was like this fry place, like like food, like fried food. There's a little stage and stuff like that. And I go, oh, I want to go down there and check it out because maybe they have bacalaitos. Because so far I hadn't seen them. And everyone tells me, oh, you go to Puerto Rico, you get these bacaritos that are about the size of a dinner plate, like an elephant ear. like these. And usually the ones I get around here are about the size of an iPhone, about half the size of an iPhone, actually. And so that's what I'm looking for. So these bunch of these little cute little old ladies are in there. And, you know, I, I go back to the place and I drag my wife out and I go, hey, there's a place in the corner. And they got some stuff. I want to check it out. Maybe they have bacaritos. Maybe they got that. She's like, okay, I'll walk with you. So we walked down there and bacalitos, $1. $1. That's cheap. Apparently they're two, three, four dollars everywhere else. Ended up buying two of them. Greasy as hell, though. And I tried to walk back to the place. My wife's like, Where are you going? I go, uh, I want to go back to the place. Like, this is kind of on the corner, so it's not that far. It's like 45 second walk. Like you can see the front door from where we're standing. And it's dark. She goes, no, no, my mom told me don't ever walk into a place with food unless you plan on sharing it with everyone. I'm like, eh, I get it. So I sat there eating these bac- these very greasy bacalaitos, just, just grease pouring, like like literally pouring down my fingers. I have to go to back to the front, grab a couple more napkins, thank them. Oh, this is really good. Thank you so much. I love it. So the party's over. Like My mother-in-law, she was bawling out of her head, man. I've never seen her that excited and that happy to be around people. And we all appreciate it. We all loved it. But everyone's drinking. I can't drink that much because we all know that if alcohol hits me the wrong way, and I know that sounds funny to say, but those of you who know me well know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm no good. If I take the wrong shot, 
if I drink the wrong beer, if I drink the wrong liquor, and that hits me the wrong way, I become a very tired, almost, it's almost like a tranquilizer to me. And I didn't want to deal with that, having to drive an, an hour, just over an hour back to our, our home in Aguada from Wanaka and these very poorly lit roads riddled with potholes, even the main roads. They're there, not as often. If you're on the, you stay out of the inside lane, stay on the outside lane. You're in the middle lane, you're probably going to be pretty good. I mean, there's six lanes on the main road. The little back roads where we were at would destroy any car that I have because they have these weird dips instead of speed bumps. They have like these, they have like these speed dips. So it's almost like you're driving into this, this concrete ravine, this concrete ditch, and then driving out the other side. It's clearly for drainage. By the way, wild horses. Yeah, there's wild horses in Wanaka, in that part of Puerto Rico. There's wild horses everywhere, but you don't see them as much. And I don't think you see them at all in San Juan. But on the central of the island, the south coast, over on the east side, you see wild horses. And you see dogs. Not as many dogs where we were specifically that night. But before the end of the trip, you get into neighborhoods, and there's a lot of wild dogs, and they're ugly. Like, they're ugly. They're not even big. Most of them are little. They're not chihuahua little, but they're somewhere between, like, a chihuahua and, like, a medium-sized dog. Most of them missing hair. It just, it's weird. So we pack up all the party, and we're all headed back. So we're going, and remember what I said about the red lights. So we come to this red light, and I know it's my car. Uh, my my cousin, Ralphie, they're in one car. My sister-in-law, Emily, she's in the Honda. We're in the minivan. We're in the carnival. And Eddie and Jose, who are my family from Michigan, they've actually, they actually came here before. I talked about it before. They're the ones that Marcelo gave the shitty car to and didn't fix it correctly. Thank God nothing happened to them. So we're driving, but we have all these cars around us. There's probably six or seven cars, tight formation like you see in the movies. Security formation. You come up to this light, and they run it. So the next car runs it. The next car runs it. The next car runs it. Like, I'm treating these lights like a four-way stop, even though they tell you don't stop it. They say just plow through it. Because you can look around, and you can see if other cars are coming or not. That's what, that's a thing. People are cutting people off. And the GPS does this weird thing. So we're all following basically bumper to bumper. Again, it's this weird security formation blowing through these red lights. Sometimes we'll come to a stop and then go. But the GPS had us exit, drive, and then immediately get right back on the same path. It's almost like you exit, you go down this little service, service road slash parking lot, and you get right back on the same road for no reason at all. That happened a few times on this trip where I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not doing it this time. I fell for it twice. Otherwise, I said, mm, this is a shit exit here, but I'm pretty sure I could just go straight and sure shit. Super weird Puerto Rican roads. But this Kia, the second Kia that I had, the warning lights kept going off. That's okay. Uh, driver lane assist warning. Beep. And it switches to high beam warning. Beep. Then it switches to lane departure warning. Then it switches to some other warning. The CarPlay was stable. I didn't have that issue. But it kept going through all this stuff. The whole trip. Like the entire, I had, I had this Kia Carnival. Because when I turned the first car in, I got a Kia Carnival again. But there was a newer Kia Carnival. And I'll tell you a little bit about that car in a minute. But the entire trip, these lights, beep. It's, it's got to be, it's most annoying. Kia, you suck. But my CarPlay stayed competent. So that was basically it from that first part of the trip. And then what happened was, Day or two later, after hanging out, doing our thing, weather turning into shit, it was time to go back to uh, San Juan where we were going to spend the rest of our vacations and actually do the excursions and things like that. 
So we said bye to a lot of the family. We thought we were going to see more of them on the other side. We never really did. Some of them we did, some of them we didn't. So we left in multiple cars, Jillian and Mario and Nova, which is my you know seven-month-year-old granddaughter. They took one car. Zeke was with us, my mother-in-law, my wife, myself, and Zeke. Then you know Emily and all them took her car, and they were able to go through and look at a bunch of cool shit. We headed one way to eat at this the Chinese fusion place. Shout out to uh, Joe Nieves. Joe, did I say your wrong, name wrong? Joe, he goes by uh, Chupacabra, uh, 1971, on social media. So we go to eat this place called La, La Tapica China in Aguadilla. And this was the first time where my mother-in-law was like, oh, this mofongo, it's good. I'm going to get into mofongo later. But the rest of the family, Elvin, they wanted to go back down to Wanaka in that area and kind of say what's up to the rest of the family. My wife gets a phone call from her aunt, my mother-in-law's sister. And she's like, hey, you guys coming down? Oh, well, the whole family's coming out here. We thought we were going to be able to see you guys before you went to the other side. So now we have this guilt thing going. And we are now an hour in the opposite direction of the first place that took an hour and a half to get to from our original place in Aguada. We make the executive decision to buy a couple of coffees, Cafe Con Leche, and head back down to the Wanaka area. So then our day of exploring and seeing the cool shit that we didn't see the first time because we were too busy exchanging the car from San Juan to Aguada has now been eliminated from Aguada to San Juan the other way because we have this detour. So we drive back up again, back down the side, and it starts pouring rain. It, it is like tropical storm. You can't see shit. And I'm driving this Kia Carnival. There's potholes, and we're on these. We're going through these country back roads. Wasn't scared, but it definitely a hairy situation. And all, all I was really doing was thinking, okay, if the car in front of me drops, that means – we got to stop. We can't go further. We were going through six, eight inch, which doesn't sound deep, but if you think about it, go ahead and do that measurement with your hands through six or seven inches off the surface of wherever it is you're sitting. That's a lot of rain. And that can go from that to deep in no time. The good thing about that is you can kind of float over the pothole, right? So we made it through. We got down to where my mother-in-law basically grew up. Horses again, everywhere. You know, in fact, one of the funny, the, the interesting things is we're driving through this little town, and it seems like a normal town, right? Not necessarily a poor town. But I saw a group. There was probably five or six kids, and they were teenagers, normal-looking teenagers. They all had a horse. They were all walking the horse. So back in the day, you would think that that's, they'd be walking their bikes, right? Maybe they're all tired of riding, so they're walking their bikes. They were walking horses. I didn't get a photo of it because I was driving in. You know, my wife's not really, she's like, oh, that's cool, but still not, you know, didn't take a picture. She's on her phone or doing whatever. Maybe she's sleeping. But we got down there and, you know, it was very low income, man, where she grew up, my mother-in-law. She started crying. She was overcome with emotion as we got closer, you know, because she just hadn't been there in so long. I don't know if she had good memories, bad memories, but they're just memories. We hung out there for probably 30, 40 minutes and... One thing about Puerto Rico, I didn't say this earlier, whether we were at the Aguada, beautiful house, or the house that we were eventually on our way to, is the plumbing situation is very sus on the island of Puerto Rico. Not as much hurricanes as earthquakes. They get a lot of earthquakes. And just the overall infrastructure is the electrical grid, the plumbing grid is bad. So you were lucky if you could flush toilet paper down the toilet. Otherwise, every bathroom you go into says, please don't flush the paper. So you have to wipe your ass and put it in the trash. So we had wipes. 
as well. So you you know, you know wipe your ass, then you get the wipe and finish it off, throw in the throw in the thing. And where she grew up, I couldn't even find out. I don't I don't even know how to flush a toilet. So I felt kind of bad. I took a piss and then you know, I flush it. There's probably a something they pool somewhere that flushes it. Like there was I, I checked the bowl. There was no there's no button, no knob, no nothing. But that's where she grew up. Tiny, tiny house. And it's it's humbling. You appreciate everything. Not that I don't appreciate my life, but you also get a better understanding of why she is the way she is with a lot of things. You know, it's some she's been in the United States since she was twenty five. She just turned seventy. But there's some things from that core life experience that just don't change. And it's funny she made the com the comment while we were there in Puerto Rico, I don't like this place. I would never move back because she's so used to the mainland. And there's Puerto Rico is full of haves and have-nots. I don't think there's much of a middle class. People get what they need to survive. You know, people make money. It's all relative. And I'll talk about cars in a little bit. There were nice cars. There were shit cars. There's places where you just can't go unless you have a, a van or something. Like, there's a lot of places I could not go with my NSX in Puerto Rico. They're just You just couldn't. I couldn't go to Wanaka. I couldn't have gone down those streets and visited where she grew up. And there's houses. It's paved, but the streets are so tight. And remember what I said earlier about the little, instead of a speed bump, it's like a little speed ditch. That would just destroy my car. There's no way I can get through it. I would rip off my front bumper, rip off the rear bumper. It's just, there's no way anyone with a low vehicle. And weirdly, I saw vehicles that were low. But I'm telling you, they, they must know like the secret way to get around because you just, you can't do it. Uh, graffiti overall in Puerto Rico was very underwhelming. We were all kind of disappointed <laughs> with the wall art. There were some very few, especially, you know, we're in San Juan. Once we got there, they were kind of nice. But overall, you might see a beautiful painting on the wall. And then someone did some shit graffiti over it. So we live there and we get to, get to San Juan. And we stayed at a place called Casa Siesta, which is behind a gated community. There wasn't, well, it's not really, well, I guess there are gates. Every street was closed with a gate with a padlock on it. And then there was a main entrance that had a guard tower. Not, I don't think they had a gun, but a security. And they had the little gate thing. And you had to tell them every single time where you're going, while you're there. They open the little thingy and you drive into your house. The house was really nice. You guys may have seen the picture of that. It was more open floor plan, more modern, and you could flush toilet paper down the toilet, but no wipes. But it was about three, two and a half blocks from the beach, and it was beautiful. But we thought when we got there, we, t we, t we had a ton of food that we brought with us across, across the island to this fridge. And now this fridge is packed with the same beers, leftover beers, a bunch of food, all sorts of shit. We didn't want to leave it at the first house that we overcompensated for. We had a full bottle of Hennessy because my cousin Jeremy kept buying bottles of Hennessy, but he doesn't even drink, so now we're stuck with it. Then we had a Remy Martin VSOP that Mario, my uh, my daughter's boyfriend, bought, and that's okay. I ran out of Glenfiddich that I had bought for the first house. I was almost out of it. And then we had a bunch of beer, a bunch of miscellaneous shit, a bunch of, uh, bunch of Patron. Guys, if you're still with me coming up, we'll talk about the nightlife, we'll talk about the beaches, and we'll talk about the cars. So the house also in San Juan, I forgot to mention this. There was a, so not only did we have the security tower, but once we got to the house, there was a keypad to get on the property. 
So there's an outer gate. So there's a keypad to get on the property. Once you got on the property, you walk 10 feet to the front door of the house. There's a keypad to get in the house. And there's a keypad to get out of the house. Apparently, this area was really bad a few months ago. And now it's just been kind of turned around because there's cops everywhere. There's undercovers everywhere. But I guess it was really bad a couple months prior to that. So the real estate is reflected. In fact, that is a house right next door to us for sale for $1.2 million. And we thought about it. Like, I've looked at it. But it's missing that main gate with the keypad. So there's a, there's a few changes we'd have to make. Because of everything that this place has, all the weird shit that's, that's weird with Puerto Rico, the beaches are not weird. And it's damn, it's it's worth it to go just for that. There's two big attractions in downtown San Juan and old in I think it's Old Town San Juan, Newtown San Juan, Old San Juan. Beautiful downtown. Uh, we went to the fort, but we missed the castle. Um, if you ever plan on going to uh, San Juan and going to the fort, I'm telling you, Uber. We did this thing, and there's not a lot of room to turn around, and it's these super tight hilly streets. Drove around for 20, 30 minutes, couldn't find anything, ended up dropping off my mother-in-law, my wife, and Zeke in front of the fort. And Marcelo and his friend, Daria, stayed with me, and we drove around for another 20 or 30 minutes. And I was getting ready to circle around and take them back to where I dropped off Yvette and them and just go back to the Airbnb and take an Uber. And we were probably six miles from this location, but in traffic, that's a long way. Fortunately, I found a parking spot. I ended up doing a U-turn and holding up traffic on both ends until I kind of wedged myself into the spot. So yeah, definitely Uber if you go. So we walked around, we did that, and then we um, a bunch of photos. Then we decided to go eat. Went to a place called uh, Choco Bar. I'll talk about Choco Bar in a little bit. Pretty cool experience. The next morning, we had to get up and take a catamaran. We rented a catamaran for eight people. To, uh, to go to Akako's Beach, which is a super famous beach. So we had to drive to Fajardo, which is like an hour away. Again, a lot of driving. I did a lot of driving on this trip. I did all the driving on this trip. So we drove to Akako's, or we drove to, uh, to Fajardo, got on the catamaran. We were a little late getting there. And uh, people started feeling a little seasick. It wasn't that bad, but, you know, by the time we got to where we were all jumping in and, and doing... A snorkeling, a beautiful, by the way. So we we'd stopped right by where the Caribbean Sea meets the Atlantic Ocean. And you can visually see that, the mesh of the waters. And it was one of the most amazing things. We jumped in the water. I think we we're 25 or 30 feet deep. And you could see far with those with the, the snorkel gear on. It wasn't a lot to see. You know, you could see little fish here and there. We all secretly want to see something like a barracuda or a reef shark or something that's not threatening, but it's, it'll make for a good story. None of that was there, but it was still a really good time. But people started feeling a little seasick. And you guys know I get, I get motion sick. I bought, I have motion sick patches. I have ginger chews. I have all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't like ginger, but I don't like feeling motion sickness. I used to have the wristbands called C-bands. I gave them to my mother-in-law to use during COVID, and I don't know where they're at. They're in her room somewhere. So I've been relying on those little patches because when I went to, if you guys remember, when I went to Hawaii, we did that excursion and I got sick and threw up off the back of the boat and the little fish ate up all my vomit. And that was another story. I have to go back and check that one out. It's Dang, that was an old podcast episode, actually. 
I think it's the one called Tacos. I think it was episode eight. I think, yeah, something about tacos in Hawaii. But anyway, I only had a few more of these patches left. I should have bought more before I left, but then everybody needed them. So Marcelo wasn't feeling good, and I wanted to give him one, but then Jaylene took it and gave one to Mario, gave one to Zeke, a waste of it, a patch on Zeke, because I found it later on the floor of the boat because he didn't like it, so he peeled it off. And then I gave out most of my candy, my ginger candy, and people didn't like that either. But would you rather eat that and have it settle your stomach or be nauseous on a boat with another hour ride back? Akako's Beach was beautiful once we got there. Played around. We were there for probably a few hours. Uh, jumped back in the catamaran. Stopped at Laquillo on our way back. When, when did we do that? Catamaran? Laquillo? I don't know. You know, I don't remember if... I think the day before we went to Akako's Beach, we did another... We did the, the other excursion at the forest. So what we ended up doing is we went out there as a group. There was, you know, 12 of us. And we were in this giant group. You had to put on these these helmets and these 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 vests, and we and we hiked, got fully submerged in water, jumped off the cliff, the rope, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what we did. And then on our way back from there, we stopped at Laquillo, had some food, and yeah, that's it. We had some food and went back. And then the next day, we drove back out to Fajardo. It's like every day we went a little bit further. The first day was just Laquillo. The second day was Fajardo, which is 15 minutes past Aquila. The third excursion day was Culebra. In Culebra Beach, you had to drive to Siba. So Siba was another 15 minutes past Fajardo. So my drive went from an hour to an hour and a half, no, to for 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. That one was the ferry ride. And we got on a smaller, it was a ferry, but it was a smaller ferry than I'm used to getting on. Thank God I went to Walgreens the day before to buy some more motion candy, and I found some of those uh, those wristbands, like their version of the C-bands, because that was a tough ride. My mother-in-law decided she wasn't going to go. Zeke didn't go. Jeline didn't go. Mario didn't go. So the baby didn't go. Everyone started kind of feeling a little sick at that point, and so it was just really the four of us. Myself, my wife, Solo, Daria, and our three cousins, my cousin's girlfriend, and then there were four other distant cousins that were there that we met up with. People got sick on the ferry, man. Solo didn't throw up, but he was very nauseous, so I made sure I gave him one of the wristbands. I gave him one of the little candies. I took out a whole handful of the candies and dropped them on the, the table behind me. My cousin Nicholas, you know, they were out really late the night before, so they only had like two or three hours of sleep. We didn't even think they were even going to make the ferry, but they showed up. So him and my other cousin, Vincent, they both got sick and threw up. Nick says it's just because it happens every time he drinks. He's a so he's aquatic man. He's navy. He was almost a frogman. Like that's how good he is. And he does stuff with sea life. He's a marine biologist or something like that right now. But the motion sickness is motion sickness. Then we had another person in the family get sick. I didn't get nauseous, but I started sweating profusely. And I think what had happened was my body was trying to process what was going on. Cause it was hot. There wasn't much airflow in there, but I I was sweating. Like why am I like that meme of that dude? I think of Saturday Night Live, the light guy who's just sweating profusely. But I wasn't nauseous, but my body was trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. We made it to Culebra. I rented a golf cart. And, you know, we drove around, had a great time there. If you go to Culebra, I would recommend um, renting a car. They have Jeeps there. Like, they have real vehicles. I didn't know that. So we did the whole golf cart thing. First, we picked up some food and went and ate with a bunch of chickens. You guys saw that on my social media. 
Then we went to Flamenco Beach, and we were there pretty much the whole time. Flamenco Beach is beautiful. It's one of those beaches that you think they would, they probably film movies there because it looks like this giant cove, although it's really not. And it was raining off and on. So it's the perfect thing, right? Who doesn't want to be in the ocean when it's raining? No lightning. It's just raining hard and you're half in the water. A cold rain is hitting you from the top. The warm water is below and then it's gone in five minutes and it's sunny as hell. It did that to us probably half a dozen times while we were there. Sometimes you had to get out and cover your your clothes and stuff like that on the beach. But I decided to walk. So I walked all the way to one side of the, the tip. Visually, you can, I was hundreds of yards away, but I could still see the beach. Like if something were to happen to me, no one would have known. But I decided to do it anyway. And what happened was I took my iPhone and I stuck it in the water because it's water resistant. No special case on it or anything. I just hit record, dipped it in the water, and watching the footage afterwards, you could see 20, 30 feet in the water. You could see the coral. You could see all that kind of stuff. So I walked back to where the family was and then decided to walk to the other side because it looked like there was a giant rock back there. My cousin said, that thing over there looks like a rock. I go, yeah. They go, that's not a rock. I go, what is that? They go, it's a tank. There's two tanks over there. Like an army tank? He said, yeah, there's two tanks over there. One's in the water, one's offshore. So I decided to walk all the way down there. And you guys saw that video on social media. Pretty cool. Apparently, back in the day, they used that site for testing. Testing weapons, nuclear weapons, testing bombs, America artillery tests. In fact, I guess there's signs back there that say, do not cross this line, a radiation warning, da 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 I never saw those, but I didn't look for them. So we get back, we check the time, and it's almost time to go. Because... Flamenco Beach is about a two-mile two ride from the pier. Then the place I had to drop the golf cart off was about three-quarters of a mile from the pier. So what I needed to do is we needed to pack up, drive this slow-ass golf cart two miles to the pier, drop off Yvette, Marcelo, Daria, all our shit. Then I had to drive the golf cart to the rental place, wait for them to get their shit together because it took them forever the first time when I was picking it up to take me back to the pier. So now time is money. So we're all packing up. It's starting to rain. And we go, where's Stella and Daria? I go, they're right here. I turn around, they're gone. They had decided, probably because they're drunk, just to walk down and see the tank for themselves without any regard of the time. I attribute it to being drunk because Marcelo's pretty good with that. Nine times out of 10, he walks up and says, hey, what time is it? Do we have time to go down there? So we all pack our shit up. It's raining now, like really good. So we helped the cousins pack all their shit up. So it was just myself and Yvette. The cousins all packed up and left because they don't want to miss the boat. Stop raining. Cello and Dario are nowhere to be seen. So I go back onto the beach because we're visually, you can't see where we're at to where the beach is because you have to kind of walk up the beach and go through like this little opening and kind of go around. And that's where you have the restrooms and the, the gift shop and all that shit. Nowhere to be seen. I'm like, shit. So I go back over to Yvette. I forget to bring her change of clothes, so now she's a little upset at me. I go, hey, here's my shorts. Here's my shirt in here. I don't have to change. I don't mind just wearing my bathing suit on the ferry. Not a big deal. I'm used to it anyway. I take my clothes. So it takes me 10 minutes to convince her to take my clothes. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the clock because now the plan was the boat leaves at 4.30 or starts, docking or starts boarding at 4.30. It's now almost 4.00. Cello and Daria are nowhere to be seen. I'm starting to get pissed, but not too pissed. 
my mind is like, all right, if we miss the boat, that's fine. But I can't miss dropping off this cart. And I can't drop off this cart if we're all stuck here. Because the golf cart people were like, if you're not here by five, we close. Which tells me I'm stuck with that rental overnight. We're not planning on staying there overnight. So that's the real thing here. If we miss the boat, we miss the boat. We'll get another ferry. I'm sure it's not a big deal. I go back to check for them two times. Finally, the third time, I wash off my feet. You know, I put on my my Adidas. I'm like, I'm just going to have to go on my shoes so I can run. Get them full of sand. So I go over there. I see them. And they're down about 100, 100 yards away trying to get a coconut off a tree. I'm just like, oh, my. So I yell, and somehow they hear me. They can't hear what I'm saying, but they hear me yelling. Someone who knows my voice. I do this motion. I'm pointing at my wrist. I do this thing with my arms. I'm like, come on. We have to fucking go. I probably didn't even hear that. They just heard me yelling. And then I turned and started running. They, so they started running. They got to the cart. I said, guys, we got, I didn't yell at them, surprisingly. So we're packing everything in. My wife puts my, she goes, here, I'm going to put your chanclas, which is your flip-flops. I'm going to put your chanclas right here on the floor. I said, all right. So we're going, and for whatever reason, the golf cart is going so much slower than it was on our way there. I'm just like, oh, my God, we're never going to get there in time. It's like 4 o'clock now, right? Now, remember, I have to drop them off and then come back, drop the cart off, and then wait for those slow motherfuckers to take me back to the pier. So I'm like, oh, it is what it is. Oh, my God, we're not going to make it. Why is this thing going so slow? And then I realize. And my wife says she's putting my my chanclas on the floor, but I look and I realize that she put it behind the gas pedal. So I was only going like half pedal. And you know how golf carts are. They're full send or no send. You, can, you can't really creep in a golf cart. Well, you can if you put something behind it like I did. I go, oh, my God. I pulled my, uh, my chanclas, my slippers up, full speed. And full speed is like, what, eight miles an hour on a golf cart, 10 mile an hour? But before, we were creeping. So I drop them off, go to the place, wait forever for them to figure their shit out. They give me a ride back to the pier. Boat ends up being a few minutes late. But this time, the ferry that arrives, it's a real ferry. And by real ferry, I mean they got cars on there. It takes them 20 minutes to load all the cars on there. They got the giant outdoor deck. They got the nice air conditioning in, inside. And no one's getting sick on that. Thank God. So that was a nice quiet ride back and... That was our last excursion day there. You know, we had the next day was like a full, full blown beach day. But, you know, at the end of this trip, you know, no one's really talking to anyone anymore from the rest of the family. It's like, hey, we're going to go out tonight. Like, we planned to go out with the family, you know, every night, and it really didn't happen. Like, we went out with Elvin and, and his wife, Margie, and, you know, my, my, my niece, you know, and then of course, Eddie and Jose, they're fucking troopers. So they came out with us, and we had a great time. In fact, one night we went out. And Eddie, Eddie is, he, he and my wife are nuts when they drink. So we're at one club and they don't really check your IDs. They just pat you down, the guys, right? So a guy, it's Eddie's turn and I'm not really paying much attention. This is like our third, third club. And he's open, he's like opening up a shirt and the guy gets mad and says, you can't come in. So Eddie's like, I can't come in. I'm like, what, what happened? What just happened here? I thought the guy wanted to see what I got. So I unbuttoned my shirt and basically Eddie, he didn't really flash him, but he kind of, you know, and the guy was just totally turned off to it. So he thought, he's like, no, this guy's, he's messed up in his head. And I go, no, 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 Eddie's cool. Eddie's cool. So I got Eddie in, you know, Eddie and Jose, okay, if you haven't figured out, Eddie and Jose are a gay couple and they're probably my favorite cousins, actually, honestly, 
on my wife's side. And they're all that's that's saying a lot because I get along with everyone like really well, but they are a freaking hoot. And so it's no surprise. Like I would be surprised if Jose did that. Eddie doesn't it didn't really surprise me that he did it, but thank God I got him back in. You know, but that night was crazy. You know, Yvette probably had five or six shots of liquor before we even left the house. So you guys know where I'm at with that. I'm like, oh my God, this is gonna be a long night. But uh yeah, the last day or two, it's just it was just us, people in our Airbnb, because Eddie and Jose had left like a day before or two days before, you know, Elvin and them left. I think also the day before we left. So it was just us had time to do laundry and do all that kind of stuff and go enjoy the beach that was near our house. And the beaches there are fantastic. Um, Let's talk about the cars. So my rental car, this Kia Carnival, I think I had talked about it. You know, I kind of alluded that it had some weird issues. It held up well, but it had these stupid issues. I wouldn't, the Kia Carnival is a great looking minivan. Looks a lot better than, you know, like the, the Chrysler Pacifica that I'm used to getting as a rental because you're limited, you know, but I wouldn't trust them electronically given what I experienced. Driving around Puerto Rico, there's a lot of observations, the police lights and their meanings, the emergency vehicles, big trucks. So one thing you notice about big trucks is they all have these, these LEDs on the front, they, they're on the grill, they're on the windshield, they're always flashing. And I don't know what that means other than probably, hey, I'm a big truck, please pay attention because you all drive like shit. The way people drive in Puerto Rico is mind-blowing. Forget a turn signal. Some people drive well under the speed limit, some people drive like they're late for work all the time. Throw that in with the, the red lights, the stop signs, what we found out is from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m., I guess it's le- It's actually illegal to run a red light, but you have to come to a complete stop, which I observed people not doing. And I also never saw someone run a red light when there was a cop there. Speaking of the police, they have weird lights. They have, I saw some with all blue lights. I saw them with blue and green lights, actually, like a blue strip light and a green strip light of LEDs. I saw some with no lights. What that means is no lights are not on patrol. Red lights and green lights means it's on active con- patrol. All blue lights means it's a state cop, not a not a city cop. So, and if they want to pull you over, they get on their horn and tell you pull over. I also read that you have to do a lot. You have to do something really bad to get pulled over in Puerto Rico. Like these cops don't give a fuck or they got too much shit to worry about. But it was super weird to see between that and same thing with an ambulance ambulance, they always have their lights on. So the thought is, how do you know if they're in a rush? Well, maybe they're driving faster. Maybe that's it. Maybe they turn their sirens on. I don't remember really hearing the siren. But imagine every emergency vehicle that you see with its lights on. Because here in the mainland, that means get over or you're getting pulled over or they're rushing to get to somewhere. The LEDs all over the front of the big trucks, they're also decorated kind of weird and cool. Almost like you would see over in Japan sometimes, which is a little weird. Street signs and fast food in Spanish helps. It's applicable. So I've been doing the Duolingo thing. I haven't done it in a while, though, like probably a month or two. But the cool thing about Puerto Rico is none of the signs are in English. They're all Spanish. But the stop sign still looks like a stop sign. So when it says pare, P-A-R-E, you know that means stop. The one-way arrows, the under-construction arrows, you know, you understand what that means. 
the exit only. You understand what that means because you know what that you know what it looks like. You know that not everything is a direct translation. So for example, they have transito. I could be saying it wrong, transito. If it's transito with one arrow, that means one way. A transito with both arrows, that means two ways. So it's not the, the text isn't they don't have a different text. Uh, reductor velocidad means reduce speed. You could tell because where the sign is, where it's placed, and how it's used. In other countries, you just have to read the room, right? You have to read the traffic. Okay, this must mean exit here. This must mean this over there. You can't, it's not obvious that you can see that. You know, when I'm going, when you go to Burger King, you go to McDonald's, first off, there's Burger Kings everywhere. There's more Burger Kings than McDonald's. The food is not the same. So if you want to get breakfast at McDonald's, they don't have biscuits. They have like these weird sandwich breads. It's like they have breakfast burritos and stuff like that. And they have some of the sandwiches the same. What's the the pancake sandwich thing with the syrup, those syrup things. They have those sandwiches drawn a blank. I don't know why. I just can't think of it. But that's really it. But you can see the signs, you know, okay, this means drive through This means breakfast. You know, this one, one, you know, here all of our drive throughs say drive through There, Burger King says something different than McDonald's, but you know it means drive through Houses and addresses are out of whack in Puerto Rico. The GPS is good for a general area for a lot of places, but it won't take you to the front door in many places. So you kind of get there in that area. I think I'd mentioned earlier, the house that we went to in Aguada, you go to the address that the guy tells you and it just stops in the middle of the street. We had to drive a couple streets past that, take a left, then take another left at the next street, and then our house was on the right. So what we had to tell our family is, once you get to the end of the, the, the directions, keep going, take a left on this street, look for this sign on the side of the wall. Go to the next thing, look for this sign, turn left on this sign. Super weird. Uh, I think when I was looking for parking when we were in San Juan, at one point I pointed out to Marcelo, I said, look at this. My GPS was spinning in a circle as I was driving. Literally spinning in a circle like I was stuck on the North Pole. It was super weird. I think there's a car scene there. I'm confident there's a car scene there because, because there was a lot of Mitsubishi Mirages and Lancers. There's a Kia Soul Beat. I forgot to look that up. A Toyota Echoes. Hyundai Venues were everywhere. I saw a, a couple of late model Civics, not necessarily the newest ones, but the one like the FK8 type, you know, type R's. I saw a few of those. They were pretty nice. San Juan had a lot nicer cars than obviously the rest of the island based on what I was saying earlier. So, you know, we did see a Lamborghini truck. You know, there were some nice BMWs, Mercedes. They had some nice cars there. I saw a couple of Porsches that were pretty cool. But for the most part, you can tell the way that people worked on their cars, fixed them up, that there's definitely a car scene. It'd be nice to kind of go there and go to one of their car mates or something. A lot of pride in the cars. It was really nice. But the potholes are everywhere, okay? Um, the roads are murderous. I think I said that earlier. Almost everywhere I drove, whether it was San Juan, Aguada, Aguadilla, um, Wanaka, you had to always be careful driving. You couldn't drive too fast. And if you were driving fast, which I did a few times, you had to really know where you were going. Otherwise, you'd hit these potholes and just blow your vehicle up. I've never seen so many random potholes anywhere. Like there's like, hey, I'm going to Detroit. Okay, we'll stay away from 8th Avenue because 8th Avenue is riddled with potholes. No, every street, almost every street in San Juan, especially once you exit and you kind of weave your way back to the place that you're staying, you know, you have to be really careful because of the potholes. Not for the people, but because of the potholes. Stop signs. What are those? I said pare earlier, but a lot of the traffic lights were out. 
Here in the mainland, we treat an out traffic light like a four-way stop. No such thing there. And a lot of the traffic lights that are out are right off of exits on the freeways or freeway on-ramps. So you come to the freeway and you have to go under the freeway and get on the freeway on the other side, except the light's out. So you have to time it. You have to kind of sprint across or you just have to force your way out there. Like nobody really speeds on those streets. Once you get on the main highway, there's always a few cars. We were running late a few times and I was driving like a madman. Like I am a a trained Puerto Rican driver at this point. In fact, I thought I was going to come back here and drive like a complete asshole and a moron in a disregard for anyone else on the road. Haven't driven a lot yet, but I think I've got it out of my system. But there, like seriously, you have to force yourself into traffic. Cross traffic ain't stopping. I saw a few times where you get close and they might flash their lights, which means either A, I'm going to keep going, or B, you can go ahead. So you have to kind of read that temperature visually of what they want you to do and what you're going to do. Otherwise, you just had to kind of force your way in. That's it for my car observations. If I were in Puerto Rico, if I were to get a house, because we've been looking now, I don't know if we actually will, but, you know, when you visit somewhere you like, because I did like Puerto Rico, the beaches are second to, to none. I mean, Hawaii, right? Hawaii is great. But the main beaches that we went to, all of them, none of them crowded, all of them beautiful clear water. You go to places like Hawaii, you go to the nice beach, it's going to be crowded. Or since it's on its own as a cluster of islands, the water is going to be a lot more rough. There's definitely rough waters off some of the beaches in Puerto Rico. But since it's so close to other bodies of land, whether it's, you know, the British Virgin Islands or the Dominican Republic or not too far away from the United States, you know, the water has an opportunity to break from some of the continents nearby, which I think makes for a more cleaner, clear water experience, makes for better overall beaches, you know. Um, as long as you're not on the side where the seaweed accumulates. When I went down to look at the tank when we were on Flamenco, I kind of went around kind of a corner and just there was 15, 20, 30, 40 feet of seaweed between the shoreline and the water. And there was no way I was going to go through that to get an up-close selfie. I just kind of took the photo from, from a distance. Now to the biggest part of this, the food. This is going to be the most controversial part of this. I'm going to talk about the alcohol, and I'm going to talk about the food. So the liquor scene, in my opinion, is kind of not there. I bought 1942 at one place. I got a double shot of it, a double serving, and I ended up spilling half of it down my wife's shirt. It was one of those tight situations where I was trying to hold the cup, and she was dancing. She hit my, my elbow and pfft, right down her shirt. Um, but there's doers, which I hate, and I've only tried it once, so I'm going to have to try it again someday. There's doers everywhere. They have Jack Daniels and everything else, just about everything else is rum. Puerto Rico is a rum place. Don Q is their very famous, most popular rum. Then you have Bacardi. Then you have any handful of other stuff. Sometimes in bars, you'll see a McAllen 12 and an 18. You might see a Glenfiddich. But, you know, other than Jack Daniels and Jack Daniels, you know, honey, there's some Chivas I never saw Woodford out at the actual places, and I'm sure it's there, okay, guys? I'm sure it's there, but just if you walk into 20 bars on the island of Puerto Rico, you're going to see Don Q. You're going to see Doers. You're going to see some of the other stuff that I had mentioned previously. You're not going to see Whistlepig as much, stuff like that. You're not going to see a lot of scotches. But the food, mostly disappointing. And, you know, there were some nice spots, and I felt bad for my family 
Okay. Because, you know, I live with my mother-in-law. She cooks for us. She's always, cause she's been here for nine years. And then of course we've been married for 19. So my personal experience of Puerto Rican food, other than every once in a while going out and trying a restaurant that might be Dominican food or something related is through her. So the red beans and rice, which I don't care about, uh, mofongo, which I think is largely overrated. And that's the controversial take that I have. Um, bacalaitos, which I love. My wife doesn't like my mother-in-law cooking them because it's frying and frying is not good for you. The empanadas, a big thing for them, or the, we call them panadillas. So some places they call empanadas, other places called panadillas. You know, the, most of the food, rellenos, um, there's a bunch of them. Most of the food is fried. And I feel that there's a definite ceiling to fried food. Because if you follow a traditional recipe, it's created, it's all put together pretty much the same. And then it's fried, right? So mofongo, let's, let's go back and talk about mofongo. Mofongo is a staple in Puerto Rico. Mofongo is primarily made of one of two things. Mostly it's from plantains, not regular bananas, but these are the plantains. They call them plantanos, plantain bananas, and they're huge. They're huge and they have like kind of a, they're, they're, they're curved like a banana, but they have, you know, where the sides meet, it's a little more sharp. And you don't, in their culture, you don't typically eat those when they're yellow. You prepare them when they're green. Uh, Dominican Republic, they eat them when they're yellow. They're super sweet. They usually eat them with breakfast, fry them up, whatever. Puerto Ricans, they take that and they smash it, they cook it, form it. Almost like a, like you go to some place you eat and you get like a scoop of rice. It's not loose. It's just like this perfectly formed scoop of rice on your plate. It's kind of like their mashed potato, except for they have juca for that. And so mofongo is usually either plantains or it's made from juca. Juca? Juca. And I'm not a big fan of juca either. I mean, I, I like potatoes, but I don't care about them that much. So why would I care about juca? I've had mofongo a few times there and it was okay, but I would never order it by itself. My mother-in-law loved the mofongo at the La Tapica China in Aguadilla. And it was, a, it was infused. So a lot of times you get it and it's infused, or it's, it's a fusion with other foods. So you can get a pile of mofongo and it's got, you know, fried pork on top of it, or it's got shrimp on top of it, it's got something else on top of it, and you and you eat it like that. Sometimes you get it when it's just plain as a small side. I mean, it's a side. I mean, sides can only be so good. Am I right? Like, what's a fam- the famous American side is French fries. Not everybody has good French fries. Am I right? Of course I am. Some people's fries suck. Some people's fries are good. Some people like steak fries. Some people like those really skinny fries. You know, it's like mofongo. Mofongo is their version of a fry. I just said that. You know, when talking to my wife, it's like, well, that's like our potato. That's like our rice. But no, you eat rice. You eat potatoes or juca. And mofongo is like french fries. So you you get it. Almost anything you order, you can get with mofongo as a side or they have mofongo as their separate dish with shit on it. And we had a couple good mofongos. Again, I'm not really big on it to begin with, but I think overall it's a little overrated. And going back to the family, everybody, from my wife, from my mother-in-law, from our families from Florida, our family from Michigan, our family from New York, family from Texas, everyone was a little disappointed with the food that we had. And I felt bad because that's all they talked about forever. I was like, oh, I can't wait to go back to Puerto Rico. The food, the food, the food. I can't wait to taste the food. I can't wait to eat the food. The food's going to be so good. The food's the best food in the world. It's so good. It's good. It's good. Mostly overrated. Mostly disappointing. Now we found a few places that had pretty good food. You know, I had bacaraitos twice there. I had the one that's super greasy in, in Wanaka. And I know there's good bacaraitos somewhere. 
Also had some bacaritos at that Choco Bar in San Juan. The best thing I had in the Choco Bar in San Juan was chocolate grilled cheese. That's right. I said it. Marcelo ordered it. I took a bite of it. I wouldn't go there for it, but it was actually pretty good. Their bacalaitos were the worst bacalaitos they ever had. Super dry, believe it or not. And they actually take them and they fold them in half and refry them and use them as taco shells. It was like eating paper. It was terrible. So, you know, I had a chocolate old-fashioned, which was great there. But people have talked about these giant bacalaitos that I just never came across. You know, my wife wanted tripleta which is some sort of, I think it's like a sandwich with all with three different meats on it or something. We never, we never came across that. I know it's there, but given all of our excursions, our back-to-back-to-back, you know, we only had so much time to pick a place to eat. Speaking of picking a place to eat, the more people you have, the harder it is, right? And the first part of a vacation, everybody wants to do everything together. But as you step through vacation by day four, by five, week two, everybody does their own thing. All right, we're going to eat over here. We're going to eat over there. Hey, guys, we're going to go eat over here. You can join us if you'd like. And everyone just kind of starts doing their own thing. But even with us, and we're staying in the house that we were staying in, there was what, six or seven of us. It's like, okay, well, what, what does Emily want to eat? Well, she doesn't want to eat this. Okay, what does Marcelo want to eat? He don't want to eat that. What do I want to eat? I want to eat this. Okay, my wife doesn't want to eat that, but she wants to eat this. But Jaylene doesn't want to eat that because Mario wants to eat this. And it just becomes like this big, fuck it, just eat what you want. And people can come and come with you or not. That's always my mindset, but my wife is such a people pleaser. That became kind of a kind of a <clears throat> kind of a shit show. Um, I think one thing that we 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 said about the food is Maz is better, right? And that's one of those things where everyone thinks their parents' cooking is the best or the worst. Most of the Puerto Rican food that we had that my mother in law cooks, she cooks better. We found a few things that was better than hers. Especially when we went to the island of Culebra, Culebra, we stopped at a place that was near the pier. We bought food as to go only. We went somewhere and we sat down, we ate it, and it was really good. My mother-in-law makes that same food. But that was just as good, if not better, some of the stuff that she makes. And so I actually want to go back and kind of find this stuff. I want to go back with just my wife, which would probably never happen. But I want to go back with a smaller group of people because you have more freedoms because you don't, you're not trying to make sure everyone else is happy. You don't care what anyone else is eating. You just want to eat what you want to eat. You want to go to the beach that you want to go to, all that kind of stuff. So, we're, but, but the food reminds me of Italy in the fact that when you go to Italy, everyone there thinks they can cook. And so what happens when everyone thinks they can cook, you have a lot more options of eating Italian food. Not quite as limited as a cuisine as Puerto Rican food because Puerto Rican food is limited. You know, name me seven Puerto Rican dishes. You're going to start repeating yourself before you get to five. And that's not unlike too many cuisines, but most cuisines rely on some sort of a fusion mixed with something else. But in Italy, everyone thinks they can cook. So what happens is you have a lot more options, but not as much. The good food is more spread out. And that's all I'm trying to say. That's all we're trying to say. Because we did have things that were good, but overall the family was disappointed because they just had this grand idea of just, oh, mommy's is good, but this is going to be better because it's from the mainland. And hell, as I record this, just two hours ago, just two hours ago, my mother-in-law made panadillas, and I had three of them, and I don't think I've had them in months, but I want her panadillas now that I've had these shitty empanadas that most of the food places in Puerto Rico sell. She made them fresh, but most of the time when you create that, when you make that, you have to make it and you have to freeze it because you never know when people are going to be there. So you go to these little stands, whether it's 
off the excursion or if it's on the side of the road or if it's some other place or if it's inside a restaurant, they take it out and they drop it in the fryer and they give it to you when it's frozen. Or they already cooked it and it's just sitting under the heat lamp. So that's obvious that it's not going to be as good, right? But let's wrap this up. This is actually a longer episode and most of you probably still aren't listening, but that's okay. I don't care. I've said it. Me and long vacations. I'm going to say maybe it's everyone, but for me specifically, I think people start missing their own beds and their daily routines. And at some point, family drama starts to set in. So the first part of the trip, you know, had some family drama, like, okay, this cousin doesn't like that cousin. This aunt doesn't like that nephew or that aunt because of some shit that happened 10 years ago, some shit that happened 30 years ago. And now they're going to see each other and they may start fighting when they see each other. You know, you have a lot of that stuff. The, the more people from family you get together, uh, the more likely you're going to have people who don't like each other. And even your own family, you have drama, right? Because if you're going with just your spouse and your kids, that's one thing. But when you go with your spouse and their siblings or your siblings or someone else's siblings or the parents, at some point, drama conflict sets in because maybe you don't get along with your brother as much or maybe you don't get along with your cousin or maybe your son's a pain in the ass and after two or three days on a trip, those personalities start start clashing, and now people are mad at each other. You know, so for us, I don't think our we we really didn't have that much family turmoil internally to just our family structure, which was quite amazing. Honestly, it was just whatever. But that's the only drama I had, and it really isn't even drama. But eventually, over a long trip, drama starts to set in. Uh, everyone in my group got some level of sick, whether they were seasick. Or, you know, Jalene lost her voice. You know, you know, my wife is still sick. Zeke is still sick. My mother-in-law was a little sick for one day. Marcel got a little sick. Jalene, uh, Mario got a little sick. You know, other people got sick. It's just, at some point in a vacation, you know, <clears throat> at the end of vacations, everyone does their own thing. First few days, where are you guys going to eat? I think I said this earlier. Hey, let's all go over to this house and hang out. Like, I fully expected people to come by and hang out at our house on San Juan. And Elvin and the fam did like a day, but they were staying already almost an hour away from us. So that expectation wasn't there. My cousins were staying minutes away. We never, they never came by the house. We saw them on excursions, but we had a lot of liquor. We had a lot of, uh, you know, beer. We had stuff that we needed to get rid of that weirdly we got rid of most of it. But, you know, if that would have been the first day, everyone would have been over. Or if that, if that would have been the first part of the trip, everyone would have been over every day. And we would have blown through our food in a day and a half. But we ended up throwing a lot of shit out. Mostly leftovers, but there was there was food that we had to leave behind. You can't fly with it. Like, what are you going to do with it? The last morning, I slammed like three beers. Like, oh, I can't let this go to waste. Pop. Go, 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 go. Thank God it's a light beer with no aftertaste. It's actually pretty good. I actually miss my diet light. Um... I know we miss a lot of food spots. I know that. You know, so take our observations about where we did eat in the level of poor shit, shitty service too, by the way. Not a lot of good service in Puerto Rico. And the awkwardness is, is when they come up and they run your card and it's, you know, flipping around like, oh, where's my tip? You know, that awkwardness where you don't give them their 20%. It's easy for us to say, I wouldn't tip somebody, but try saying that to someone when they're sitting there right in front of you. Most people aren't going to do that. It's the in-person version of the keyboard commando, right? Uh, we're going to be back to Puerto Rico for sure. I wasn't joking. We are looking at real estate. 
Um, some of the properties there aren't that bad. There's a lot of roaches. The infrastructure is bad. The electrical grid is shitty. When we were driving to San Juan from Aguada, I noticed as it got dark, some of the street lights, like the ones on the freeway, they were blinking. And I thought maybe it was a some sort of a warning of like bad weather's coming, hide. But looking it up, it's just their electrical grid. That that string of lights, like Christmas lights, had a loose bulb or something. Super weird. That is my trip to Puerto Rico, guys. Thank you so for hanging hanging through through this. Thank you for listening to this episode. I want to thank Right Honda and Right Toyota, fourwheelonline.com, Cell Shop Wireless Services, Patreon Business Support of Curry Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida, Pell Construction out of Conway, Michigan, Beak House, My Home Design, Ashburn, Virginia, Traverse City, Michigan. If you guys want to be a business sponsor, go to the Patreon, patreon.com, Hard Parking Podcast, and sign up. You get a shout out. You get to write it off. Also, Westgate Exotic Cars and Rentals out of Glendale, Arizona, and of course, The Shaping Success with West Tankersley out of Boise, Idaho. Want to join the Patreon? You can for as little as $3 a month. You get access to bonus audio as well as show swag. Special thanks to Mark Stolman, Catherine Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Grace, Byron Jones, Bo Jung, Alice Camina, Andrew Bunkley, and David Garner for your support. If you want any show swag, go to heartparkingpod.com. Tell everybody about this podcast. Please check it out. There's multiple episodes that talk about different things, not just cars. Obviously, not a lot of cars in this episode, is there? Want to email the show, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning and join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group. I can't grow without you telling the world how great this show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together and I'll talk to you all next week.